Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. We are so excited that you joined us today. Our lead pastor, Pastor James Lair, is fired up and ready to preach. I hope you enjoy this sermon. Good morning, everyone. I am fired up to preach this morning. Hope you wore your asbestos shorts because the fire's coming. There are times where the Lord lays a unique message on my heart, and I have a sense that it's so important that we know it and that we hear it. And this is one of those messages this morning, so I pray you'll open your heart and receive what the Lord has for us today. For the sake of review, we talked last week that we are the apple of God's eye. I want you to know that you personally, individually, are the apple of God's eye. And we learned what that meant. It meant that God loves us passionately. He has an unending love, an everlasting love, a loving kindness for his children, for you personally. And you are the apple of God's eye because you are his prized possession. He bought you with the price of the life of his own son. And so we belong to him. We are the apple of his eye. We are his possession. We also can claim his protection. We are his children. He is our father and we can ask for his protection in our life. And we also reflect his glory. That's part of being the apple of God's eye, is that we can see ourselves in his eyes, in the reflection of his glory. And so Zechariah continues with his vision. Let's read Zechariah chapter 2, verse 10. Shout and be glad, O daughter of Zion, for I am coming, and I will live among you, declares the Lord. Many nations will be joined with the Lord in that day and will become my people. I will live among you, and you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. The Lord will inherit Judah as his portion in the Holy Land and will again choose Jerusalem. Be still before the Lord, all mankind, because he has roused himself from his holy dwelling. Because we are the apple of God's eye, how should we respond? There are times when we should, number one, be loud. Now, some of us don't need permission to be loud. We're automatically loud. I'm one of those people. Jolene tells me, your voice carries. I don't mean it to. It's just maybe I can't even hear my own voice, and so I'm kind of loud. Don't always need a microphone. But there are times we should be loud on purpose. There's a reason for that. Our text in verse 10 says to shout. Many times throughout the Bible, it says for us to give a shout unto the Lord. Knowing we are the apple of God's eye is something to shout about. And there are times when it's okay to get excited and to get fired up. It's okay to be loud before the Lord, to shout before the Lord. Now, when I was living and working in North Dakota, the Seahawks were in the championship. Yes, the Seahawks are coming into the conversation here. It was, it was in the championship game to see who would go to the Super Bowl. And I didn't have a TV, so I went down to the local rec center, and there was all these people there. I didn't know a soul, and they were all Packer fans. And the Seahawks were playing the Packers, and the Seahawks were losing, but they made this incredible comeback. They did all these things, and onside kick, and and, and here I am among all these Packer fans, and the Seahawks won. They came from behind and won, and I'm like ready to pop and explode because I want to Give some hoop and hollering and some in your face and, you know, no, I wouldn't do that. Uh, But I had to keep quiet 
for the sake of my life, but I'm telling you what, once I got alone, I let it fly. Bless God, I was loud. And then the next week, they lost to the Patriots, and I was real quiet. Sometimes you just have to shout, even if it's by yourself. Because sometimes we need to stir up our heart. We need to stir up our faith. We need to kindle the fire in our hearts for God. And sometimes we have to shout and we have to rejoice even if we don't feel like it. When the Israelites conquered Jericho in the book of Joshua, the Lord gave them a very unconventional battle plan. I love God's battle plans. You know, with Gideon, he says, you have too many men. They were going up against tens of thousands, and God whittled them down to 300. And God says, that's perfect, 300 against 30,000. Now I like the odds. And God told them to put a lamp in a, and to break the lamp and to blow trumpets. And just, God always has just unique battle plans. Another time, he said, send out the worship team first into battle. So they've got trumpets, they've got harps, they've got cymbals, but they have no weapons. But you know what? God brought the victory. And so God had a special battle plan. And I want you to know he has a special battle plan for you in the battles you face. And we see this unique battle plan. And God rarely does the same thing twice. And so in Joshua chapter 6, we see that the soldiers were to march around Jericho. The city, the first city that they were going to conquer in the promised land. And they were to march around the walls of the city once a day for six days. And then on the seventh day, they were to march around seven times. And then they were to do something unique. Look at Joshua 6.5. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give a loud what? Shout. And then the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go up Every man straight in. And when the trumpet sounded, the people shouted. And at the sound of the trumpet, when the people gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So every man charged straight in and they took the city. Do you understand that praise and shouting before the Lord is a weapon of warfare? They shouted and the walls came down. I want you to know you have some walls in your life you need to do some shouting at. Because shouting in this context... Praising the Lord vocally and verbally is how we do battle in the spirit. This is not in the natural. So we, we need to speak to these things. We need to shout to these things before the Lord. And sometimes we have to utter that shout of praise before the walls will come down. We have, may have walls holding us back from all that God has for us. And sometimes only a shout of praise will collapse those walls. But with a shout of praise... We can take a city for Jesus. They shouted, the walls came down, and they took the city of Jericho. I want you to know that God wants us to take the city of Bakersfield for Jesus Christ. We're not going to shout at people and scare them off. That's not what I'm saying. Don't get in their face and start yelling. It's probably not a good evangelism plan. But we can believe with a shout of praise before our God that we can take this city for Jesus Christ. Here's another, because Bakersfield belongs to God, amen? It belongs to the Lord. And we need to claim this city, we need to claim this neighborhood, right here where the church is strategically planted. I was sharing with this recently. You know when they built this church, it was out in the middle of nowhere. Right, Charlie? There was nothing to the west. People were like, you're nuts, you're building in the middle of nowhere. Guess what, now we're right in the smack center of town. That's vision. That was vision that 
years down the road, we, would, we could reach all four corners of this city. But I, I'm believing for this coming year that we really start to branch out and reach our community for Jesus Christ, especially our neighborhood. We ought to believe the city belongs to the Lord. Here's another example when it was time to shout. The exiles had returned from Babylon and they began to build the temple. This was before Zechariah. This was during the time of Ezra. Remember, Ezra started the temple and then it stopped and Zechariah had to motivate the people to finish it. And here was the reaction when they laid the foundation. They didn't finish the temple. They only laid the foundation. Here's the reaction. Ezra 3.10. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord... The priests in their vestments and with trumpets and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals took their places to praise the Lord as prescribed by David, king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, He is good. His love to Israel endures forever. I mean, you know, that's a good thing to shout. God is good. And His love endures forever. And all the people gave a great what? Shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. It says that the noise was so great it could be heard from far away, the shouting. I want you to know the Lord is rebuilding the temple again. Not a literal place, but a people. God is building the church. He is rebuilding our lives, our broken lives. He is rebuilding our broken homes and our broken relationships. God is still in the business of rebuilding but that is something to shout about. Sometimes we just have to shout a praise, believing by faith that God is going to bring the victory. And there are times in the Bible when even God shouts. See, he sets the example for us. And so not only are we called upon to shout, there are times where God shouts. He lifts up his voice. How many know when God shouts, wow, everybody's going to hear it? That's going to be a sound that will travel Look at Isaiah 42, verse 13. The Lord will march out like a mighty man. Like a warrior, he will stir up his zeal. With a what? Shout. He will raise the battle cry and triumph over his enemies. Isn't that awesome? It says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that when Jesus returns, he will return with a loud commanding shout. And the trumpet call of God. He's going to make some noise when he returns. The whole world's going to hear about it when Jesus comes back. Now what's interesting is so many times the Bible says shout for joy. Shout for joy. Therefore, knowing we are the apple of God's eye means we should, number two, we should be glad. We should be glad. This word glad is one of the Hebrew words for joy. Now, I want to make a plug about my Wednesday night Bible study. I want to encourage you to come or else watch online. We are talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And last Wednesday, I introduced the fruit of joy. I want you to understand God wants you to have joy in your life. We aren't to live in misery and despair and discouragement all the time. God wants us to have that joy unspeakable and full of glory. And so I only started it and I'm finishing it this Wednesday. I encourage you, go back and watch it. If you need some joy in your life, you need some encouragement, you need to find out how to have joy because you don't feel it. And that's part of the teaching is that joy is an attitude. It's a choice. It's not a 
feeling or an emotion that comes and goes. And so I encourage you to tune in. Come and listen to the Bible study. Because if you need joy, if you need the joy of the Lord, it is your strength. It's what keeps you going. And we always need a little pick-me-up in the middle of the week, right? It's Wednesday night. It's hump day. Come on. Let's have some Bible study so we can finish Friday strong. Why should we be glad? Well, our text says, your king is coming. Isn't that a great reason to be glad? Jesus is coming soon. Now, this is speaking of God's promise. What he says he will do, he will do. If God has said it, he will do it. Now, it may not be in our time frame. You know, that there will be prayers answered after you're dead. But God's still going to answer them. God is faithful. And what's unique about the book of Zechariah is it speaks about the first coming of Christ. And it also prophesies about the second coming of Christ. And so later in Zechariah, we see this first coming in Zechariah 9.9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of the donkey. You remember that story? When Jesus came into Jerusalem, Palm Sunday, that's why we celebrate. This is a fulfillment of this prophecy that was written hundreds of years before. This is how we know God's word is true. Every prophecy came to pass. Because what God says will, will happen will happen. And so that's how Jesus came the first time. He was riding on a donkey. He was gentle. He was humble. He was meek. That's the first coming. He was born in a manger. Everything's humble. Everything's just quiet and still and soft. But I want to tell you something. That's how he came the first time. But that's not how he's coming the second time. I may have shared this scripture with you, but I'm going to share it again because it fires me up. Look at a picture of Jesus when he comes again. I saw heaven, oh, Revelation 19.11. I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse, not a donkey, a white horse, whose rider is called faithful and true with justice. He judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. And he is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of God. And the armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his side, he has the name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Wow, that is a picture of a mighty conquering king coming. Jesus first came as a suffering servant. He's coming back again as a conquering king. So get ready. Because the whole world's going to see this eyes of fire sword coming out of his mouth. Boy, they better get ready. This is a season of grace, but there's coming a time of wrath. Where God will bring judgment to the earth and to Satan and his angels. And so you need to know the humble king so you can meet the conquering king. This is important. Makes me want to shout, man. That's awesome. We will be glad. Another reason we can be glad is because God will live among us. God's going to move in. Isn't that interesting how your children move out and then they move back in? And they move out and they move back in? Well, I want you to know God's moving in to stay. Check this out. I, I shared this scripture at 
Ben's celebration of life service yesterday, and I've shared it before recently, but I love, I love reading this scripture. I love thinking about it and meditating on it. Revelation 21, verse 1. You want to see what heaven is like? Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. I long for that day. Think about how personal this is. He will wipe the tears from every eye. Did you hear that? Like a, a good father to his child, God is gonna wipe the tears from our eyes. You and me, individually, personally. I long for this day. And another reason we can be glad is because many nations will be joined to the Lord and will become his people. This speaks of revival. I believe in an end time revival. I believe the spirit of God is poised to move across the earth. And I believe there will be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit like we have never seen before. Before the end times, before the end of days, there will be a revival. I believe it. And so we see this later on in Zechariah chapter 8. When God will reach not just Israel, but the nations and bring them in. Zechariah 8.20, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Many peoples and the inhabitants of many cities will yet come. And the inhabitants of one city will go to another and say, Let us go at once to entreat the Lord and seek the Lord Almighty. I myself am going. You hear him talking to each other. Hey, let's go to this new Jerusalem. You know, we do a lot of outreach events, but you know what our greatest outreach event is? You. A person inviting a friend or a neighbor or a family member. You're the greatest outreach we have. Telling someone else, come with me. Come to church with me. Come meet the Lord. In verse 22, and many peoples and powerful nations will come to Jerusalem to seek the Lord Almighty and to entreat him. And this is what the Lord Almighty says. In those days, 10 men from all languages and nations will take firm hold of one Jew by the hem of his robe and say, let us go with you because we have heard that God is with you. Listen to this end time promise of revival mentioned in Micah chapter 4 verse 1. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among the mountains. It will be raised above the hills and peoples will stream to it. Many nations will come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Another reason we can be glad is that the Lord will again choose Jerusalem. That day is coming, and this speaks of restoration. Jerusalem has been conquered many times, but God is still going to restore that nation to him. Look at Isaiah 14, verse 1, in the New Living Translation. But the Lord will have mercy on the descendants of Jacob. He will choose Israel as his special people, once again. 
He will bring them back to settle once again in their own land. And people from many different nations will come and join them there and unite with the people of Israel. How many know that Israel was taken captive by Babylon and then they were brought back? And then they were destroyed by Rome. But how many know in 1948 they were brought back? And that is still God's land. It's still the Holy Land and it's still God's people. And revival and restoration are coming. And so finally, my last point today Because we are the apple of God's eye, there are times when we must be still. Now, there's a time to be loud, and there's a time to be still. There's a time for shouts, and there is a time for silence. There is a time for rejoicing, and there is a time for reverence. How many know it's imperative that we get these, don't get these mixed up? To be loud when we're supposed to be still and to be still when we're supposed to be loud. Now there are times where we get those backwards and we get that out of order. There's nothing worse than being loud at the wrong time or noise when we're supposed to be quiet and peaceful. So we we have to be sensitive to that in in the spirit, in our services, in our life. But there's a time to be loud and there's a time to be quiet. And there's certain places, in my opinion, my humble opinion, that there are certain places on this earth where we're supposed to be quiet. Now, if, if I'm describing you, don't get offended. Don't send me an angry email. It's just trust that maybe it's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But I'm just here to tell you, when I go camping, I want it quiet. I don't want a loud stereo blaring all day long. I, I came to the woods to get away from that. You know what I'm saying? Or it's like when I go fishing on a lake and then I'm in my fishing boat, bless God, being quiet because, you know, I've always been told the fish can hear you. Do fish even have ears? I have no idea. Can they really hear you? They must. But, you know, I'm, I'm in the zone. I'm fishing. Man, I'm doing the Lord's work, bless God. And then a ski boat comes blaring by with 50-pound speakers. You know what I'm saying? I'm sorry. That doesn't belong with fishing. And then there's another place where we're supposed to be quiet, and that's on the golf course. That's called golf etiquette, right? You don't start cracking a joke in the middle of someone's backswing. You know, you don't make loud noises when you're trying to sink that one-foot putt that I always miss. But I want you, I got news for you. This is a great answer to prayer. I went to the driving range for the first time since my shoulder surgery a year ago. And guess what? When I swing the golf club, it doesn't hurt. Is that awesome? Now, it hurts other times, you know, like when I sleep on it or Jolene punches me in the arm. No, she doesn't punch me in the arm. But I, I was, it was a test. That first swing, I went out to the driving range and I'm, oh, Lord, don't let my shoulder dislocate and go flying down the field. And that back swing got that back there and follow through. Still topped it and only went about 10 feet. But bless God, it didn't hurt. And so I'm on the driving range. I'm trying, you know, I can, now I've got to try to actually be accurate so I don't kill anybody. But I was on the driving range right next to a, a t- one of the greens. And there I am, and they, this two carts pull up, and they are playing loud music. I thought I was back on the lake with the big old stereos. And, I, and I, you know what song they were playing? They had this song cranked up. You'll love this. 
John Denver's Take Me Home, Country Roads, West Virginia, Mountain Mama. <laughs> should that even be played loud? I'm, you know, it's John Denver. Come on. I mean, it should be, like, if you're going to go loud, go big. Who let the dogs out, right? Come on. John Denver? And I'm like, I hope this is not a new trend. Stereos on golf carts. There's a time to be loud, and there's a time to be quiet. And this is true in our relationship with the Lord. Sometimes we're not hearing the still, small voice of the Lord because we're not still. We have so many things taking our attention, including our, our phones, right? I mean, this was supposed to make our life easier. It's made it worse. People can get a hold of you anywhere. And I mean anywhere. I don't know why you're taking your phone in there, but I'm just telling you, it's become a ball and chain. I mean, you can't have privacy anywhere. And so I, I really believe this. There are, we've got so much noise on the inside, we can't hear God speak to our hearts. He speaks with a still, small voice, the Bible says. And to hear a still, small voice, you have to be still, both on the outside and the inside. We need to take time to sit in God's presence. We need time to meditate on the Lord. I'm talking about biblical meditation. There's a different kind of meditation, but how many know that God started it in the Bible, biblical meditation on his word? There's a time that we need to be still. Look at these scriptures. Exodus 14, 13, and 14. The Israelites are ready to cross into the Red sea, cross the Red Sea. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Is that awesome? There are times when we must be still and let the Lord fight for us. Now, often the Lord fights through us, but often he also fights for us, and we need to discern when we need to just step back and let God handle it. And shortly after this, God says, Moses, what are you doing? Get going. There's a time to be still and there's a time to get going, but there is a time to step back and let the Lord fight for you because the battle belongs to the Lord. And it's not a battle we can win on our own. It's a spiritual battle. We need the Holy Spirit to fight for us. We need, this, we need the sword of the Spirit. We need the armor of God. And so there are times where we must be still and the Lord will fight. And we'll see his deliverance. We be still and don't be afraid. There's another time where we should be still. Look at Psalms 37, 7. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. There are times where people will take advantage of you or people will be working against you, stabbing you in the back, gossiping against you. And we get all upset. We start fretting. We don't understand why the wicked prosper, why those that do wrong somehow seem to be blessed and we start fretting, and we start worrying, and we start complaining, and guess what? It messes up our life. And so instead of fretting and worrying, be still. One of the ways we can overcome anxiety and discouragement 
is to be still before the Lord and not worry about other people. Not worry about the rest of the world, but just you and God. Instead of fretting, we should wait patiently. Oh, I don't like those two words together, separately, let alone together. The Lord will take care of the wicked. Another example of being still is Psalms 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. As I mentioned, sometimes there's too much noise in our life to hear the still, small voice. Be still and know that he is God. Now what's, what's amazing is not only are there times where we're commanded to be still, there are times when God commands stillness. For example, Jesus, when his disciples were crossing the lake, says in Mark 4, 37, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now, they had already seen miracles. They had already seen incredible things. And yet now they're accusing God of not caring. He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Do you see the contrast? Fear and faith are opposites. They cannot coexist. And so Jesus said, your fear reveals your lack of faith. Verse 41, they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. I want you to know, whatever storm you're facing in your life, God can command it to be still. And we know sometimes God calms the storm, and other times he calms us in the storm. But God has the power. He can, the wind and the waves still obey Jesus. And I want you to know that whatever storm you're facing today, this is the word of the Lord, be still. Let the Lord fight for you. Have faith. Do not give in to the fear. I know sometimes fear just comes without you even inviting it in. It just comes in uninvited, unwelcome. But what you got to drive out fear is with faith. You got to quote God's word. You got to proclaim his promises. You got to stir up your soul. You got to get loud. You got to enter into praise. I want to tell you something. Pastor Nathan works so hard preparing our worship services. And it means so much when we enter in with him. He's trying to bring us into the presence of the Lord. But we got to enter in. I'm telling you, sometimes we not, may not feel like it. That's why it's called a sacrifice of praise. It's not easy. It doesn't come naturally. We, but we do it in faith. But I, I, I will tell you, if we will enter in to praise, we will enter into worship, our storm will begin to calm. And our fear will begin to subside. Because he still controls the wind and the waves. Would you bow your heads with me? If you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, you're really missing out. 
There's a promise of abundant life on this earth and eternal life in heaven. Yeah, there are still problems, but now God is our problem solver. He brings us through. And so if you want to accept Jesus, you want to give him your life, you're ready to hand it over. You know you need help. You need a higher power, and his name is Jesus Christ. If you want to meet him and serve him and follow him for the first time, or maybe you followed him, but you've drifted away. You've been like the prodigal, and you've, you've left God's house. If you want to give your life to Christ for the first time or you want to come back home, would you just slip up your hand? I want to pray with you today. Anyone at all? You're ready to come home? Amen. Anyone else? Put your hand right back down. I'm going to ask the rest of you who are already Christians, would you pray with me as I pray with these folks? And if you raised your hand or if you want to accept Christ, would you just repeat these words after me? It's a simple prayer. It's not just the words, it's your faith. You're going to believe in God. So join with me if you're already a Christian and join with those that are praying for the first time. Dear Jesus, I believe. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you rose from the dead. Dear Jesus, I receive, I receive your forgiveness. I receive a new life. And I receive eternal life in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, would you mind filling out this info card and checking the box and giving us your contact information so we can follow up with you and help you on this new journey with Jesus. Would you stand with me? This week, be loud, be glad, and be still. Just not all at the same time. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face, his countenance, his presence toward you and give you peace. God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in today. We are so excited that you joined us. If you chose to say yes to Christ today, we would love for you to text the word born again, all one word to 94090. By doing so, you will receive more information on your next steps in following Christ. We meet every Sunday at 8.30 and 11 a.m. right here in Bakersfield, California at 4901 California Avenue. We would love for you to join us in person. Also, we have a live stream service at 11 a.m. every Sunday morning. You can find us on YouTube and Facebook. If you'd like more information about Bakersfield First Assembly of God, you can search us on the internet at bakersfieldfirst.com. Thank you for joining us today and have a blessed week.